Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. New York City is living in the shadow of perhaps its greatest economic crisis ever. Well, people like to think that in some way this is comparable to the 2008 Great Recession. This is more like the Great Depression. The economic impact of the pandemic here in the biggest city in America is historic. More than half a million jobs lost and a loss of revenue that by some estimates will top $9 billion. But New York has faced economic crisis before. After 9-11 for sure, the recession of 2008 of course, and the fiscal crisis of 1975. New York's Mayor Abraham Beam led a delegation of fellow mayors to Washington today seeking federal financial aid for New York. Fifteen mayors, most from big cities, appeal to... What can we learn from the crises past? And how long will it take to dig out of this hole? I'm very optimistic. I have never bet against this city, even in its darkest hour. This is 880 in depth. I'm Tim Sheld from WCBS News Radio 880. And in the minutes ahead, we'll hear from the city's top financial officer, city controller Scott Stringer. But first, we wanted to go back to that 1975 crisis when New York was on the edge of bankruptcy and then Mayor Beam led a delegation of mayors to Capitol Hill and the White House seeking a government bailout. And if the federal government does not help us, I think it will find the problem afterwards, which it would have to help us with, much more serious. The mayor's asked for federal guarantees for New York City bonds and notes, and if necessary, emergency loans. The first answer from the Ford administration was a loud, firm no. Richard Ravage had a front-row seat. He was the head of the State Economic Development Corporation back then. He eventually went on to run the MTA and served as lieutenant governor in New York before retiring. Our Peter Haskell got on the phone with him this week to get a history lesson. Well, what happened in 1975 is in no way analogous to what's happening today. In 1975, the city had been using borrowed money, proceeds of bond sales, to cover operating deficits. Because Governor Rockefeller had difficulty distinguishing between borrowed money and appropriated money, when the city needed funds, he 
passed a law that um, made it possible for the city to continue to borrow. The banks, after the Urban Development Corporation, um, defaulted on an obligation because it didn't have enough revenue. It had borrowed too much. Uh, the banks told Governor Carey on May 2nd, 1975, that they would no longer underwrite the notes and bonds of the city of New York. I was in the room when that occurred. That has no um, relevance to the problem today. The problem today is you have massive unemployment, you have enormous health care costs, and most important of all, you have a diminution in revenue. Sales tax revenues are down substantially. Restaurants are closed, stores are closed. Um, retail business stinks in New York today, and uh, income is down, so therefore income taxes are down. And if tenants don't pay rent, property values go down, and property owners seek reductions in assessed value. So the three sources of revenue that the city gets are are going down and are in jeopardy of going down a lot. Nobody can predict precision with precision what the future is, but that's that's the serious problem. We're totally dependent on the Senate and the White House agreeing to do what Nancy Pelosi steered through the House of Representatives, a massive federal appropriation to cover the shortfall of revenue that cities and states are going through. When you describe the laws of revenue in the offices and restaurants, I mean, this sounds like a pretty bleak spiral. Uh, it, it's a potential disaster, yes. Dick Ravitch is a numbers guy. He knows how bad it looks. He also knows the city is resilient. So we asked him, how long will this crisis last? Uh, nobody knows. Um... I'm an optimist. I believe in New York City. I've seen New York City because I'm an old man uh, recover from predictions of the apocalypse on many occasions. There's a great, great magic to living in New York City. And whereas I suspect that there will be several years in which um, people will not move back to New York, ultimately the same reason that people left the suburbs and moved to the city restaurants are a socializing institution our theater our music our sports will ultimately be back and it will draw people back to the city and draw economic activity back to the city how long it will take I, nobody can be certain um it depends to a large degree how bad the circumstances are in the next couple of years, which, as I said, is totally dependent on whether uh, Trump and McConnell agree to provide to cities and states what the House of Representatives has already voted to provide. With that said, what do the next few years look like and feel like for people who live in the city or who might still work in the city? Well. I can tell you that it varies significantly. Um, I, I think for somebody like myself who loves New York City, whether it's in trouble or not, uh, New York City is still an exciting place. 
I have to eat on the sidewalk instead of inside in restaurants, um, and I wear a mask, but it doesn't take away from the vibrancy of being a New Yorker. Um, but a lot of people have left, and a lot of people will come back, uh, ultimately. And um, this is not something that's subject to any kind of precise measurement at this point. You've got companies that find out they don't need to get all this office space. They have people who can work from home. Therefore, you have people who say, why do I want to live in a small apartment if I'm not commuting to work? I can get a house, a home office, etc. Does New York City need to, in some ways, transform itself? Is the, is the dynamic we've known for generations going to change? I don't think over the long term, as I said, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think the, the seductions of urban living will once again um, reverse the current trend uh, and will bring a lot of people back to the city. You're not going to, you're not going to build a Yankee Stadium or a Mets Stadium uh, in Westchester. You're not going to move Carnegie Hall to uh, the Hamptons uh, or the Metropolitan Opera um, uh, or all the great restaurants and all of the wonderful cultural institutions that exist. People are learning how to live uh, without uh, socializing. But that doesn't mean that they won't want to socialize again. It's, it's fine. I stay home. I'm on my computer. I talk to people on my computer who are on their computer. But I miss them. I miss the collegiality. I, I, I can hardly wait to move back to my office. And I think most people will be in the same, the same situation. What I worry about is the, the businesses that are going broke. Um, the, the biggest tenant in Hudson Yards filed bankruptcy. Uh, that's a serious issue, but that's, that's partially a function, uh, uh, less of a function of the COVID crisis than it is of changing economics, um, etc. The retail business stinks, but the retail business stinks as much because of Amazon as because of the COVID crisis. Our Peter Haskell with Richard Ravitch, which leads into our conversation about today. I spent time this week with New York City controller Scott Stringer. We've never seen anything like this. I mean, the numbers are scary, um, historic. They are intimidating. Um, I mean, how do you how do you sum up what you're looking at, what we're looking at? Well, people like to think that in some way this is comparable to the 2008 Great Recession. But the reality is, when you look at the numbers, this is more like the Great Depression. We now have in this city a 20% unemployment rate. One out of four people of color are unemployed. And just a few months ago, unemployment among young people between the ages of 16 and 24 was at 6%. Right now, 
it's close to 40%. So we are facing a financial crisis the likes we've never seen. And that's why we have to take measures now to bring the city back to life economically. You mentioned 2008, and we even go back to um, to the 1970s when famously the city uh, went uh, hat in hand to Washington, D.C. and was met with a pretty staunch reaction from the, the federal government. But we're in a similar situation where we really critically need help from the federal government, no? Well, you know the old saying, the more things change, the more things stay the same. And we're dealing with another Republican president, a New Yorker of all things who is not just telling us to drop dead, but basically seeking to destroy it, to destroy the entire economy of this country. You know, whatever happens in New York City reverberates around the country and around the world. So you can't walk away from saving New York City. You actually have to double down for the sake of the whole country. We New Yorkers have done our part. We showed how to flatten the curve. We dealt with the incoming of this virus. We saw how it ripped apart neighborhoods, how... It discriminated against the most vulnerable. And through it all, we have been fighting back as New Yorkers. We need the federal government to step up and do its share. We need to have that bailout. We need to invest in state and local governments. We have a multi-billion dollar budget deficit for next year. And it's time for this president and this Congress to recognize that basically the fate of this country will be in the hands of Congress as they debate a stimulus package that must be rerouted to issues in New York City like housing, like education, like health care. There's no way to get around it. We cannot sustain this with our budget situation right now. We're losing billions of dollars in revenue. We have multi-year budget gaps. Now, it's true that our mayor didn't bother to save enough during the good times, and that's a lesson for another day. But New York City is the economic engine, and we have to invest in it. Back in the 70s, uh, there was an argument by the federal government that that uh, New York didn't have such a dramatic impact on the rest of the country. In this particular case, we've got an economic crisis that is touching all corners of, of the country. Uh, that's a difficult scenario to, to deal with, no? Yeah, but, 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 but we are in a special category. You can't argue with math. Uh, New York City spends $22 billion more to the federal government than we get back every year on time, on budget. We've been subsidizing small states around the country. Uh, Our economic might has invested in so many worthwhile endeavors for America. And you have to jumpstart a national economy by realizing that New York is at the epicenter of that. We are the epicenter of the COVID crisis. We're the epicenter of the economy. And what we need from the federal government is just to do their share. They're giving more money to places like Montana which had virtually no COVID cases and less money to New York who had hundreds of thousands of cases. This is not the way we are going to rebuild the country. If you, we get a stimulus package, New York will come back plain and simple. And that's why I'm working with the congressional delegation. That's why I continue to talk about how we, we open, we imagine the city economy the way we do that is by slowly reopening all corners of our economy. We listen to science, we listen to medicine, we plan proactively, and we bring our city back to life. But we need that federal stimulus component to do the job we need to do. 
Scott Stringer has heard the mayor's predictions about potential layoffs and deep cuts to city services. He's also heard the mayor talk at those daily press conferences about Washington's role in all of this. But the controller says the speech time is over. What he really should do is go to Washington, sit down with our congressional delegation, plot strategy. That's exactly what happened in the 1970s when Ed Koch got congressional loan guarantees in the midst of our almost bankruptcy. Koch united business and labor to go to Washington and make the case. We have to work with our delegation, uh, having irrelevant press conferences every day and bemoaning the state of play is not what's going to get us where we need. We need decisive, strong, organized coalition building to get to Washington. So I appreciate the mayor's rumblings. I also want us to have a strategy, a concrete strategy, uh, that puts all of what we have to do on the table. First step is Washington. And there's other ways that we can there's other ways that we can um, deal with this as well. What about the idea of um, borrowing money to uh, to take care of some of the operating expenses for the next uh, period of time, half year, year? No, I think that has to be on the table. Obviously, you only borrow as a last resort. You by borrowing one, we pay the debt service, so our kids will be paying for our failures. So we have to be careful about this is their money because they're going to pay the interest on that borrowing. But I do think it has to be on the table. Everything has to be on the table. But first step is let's get the stimulus money. Second step, the mayor should initiate a real savings plan for the city. Step after that, we should look at programs where we're throwing money at issues and not measuring for results, whether it's Thrive or the homeless crisis. And of course, borrowing to keep our city whole has to be on the table. We've done it before. We could do it again. It's no secret that Scott Stringer is considering a run for mayor of New York next year. And when we spoke this week, it certainly sounded like it. Whoever is the next mayor must understand the finances of the city, what we can do, what we can't do. We also need a mayor who is going to invest differently in our city. We have so many communities of color right now that have been ravaged by the COVID virus. And one of the things that we're seeing all too clearly is the health disparities in so many of our neighborhoods in the Bronx and Queens and Brooklyn. We need to budget differently. We have to go where the virus did the most damage to look at how we build a healthcare system for all people, how we invest in truly affordable safe housing, how we create a one standard for economic investment, and also a different way of policing that speaks to investment rather than uh, jail. And so there's a lot that the next mayor and the next council are going to have to deal with going forward. And I just look forward to being part of that discussion and uh, listening to New Yorkers, but also offering the leadership that we need in this city. Do you have a timeline in terms of when you may, um, you know, make public what your plans are, or are we well? I think you could say sooner rather than later. <laughs> Let me ask you the last question for you. I sense that you have a lot of optimism, though, about the city, about the people um, that the city can come back. I mean, New York is New York because of uh, of the real estate here, the people, the grit, the the uh, Broadway, Carnegie Hall. Um, Do you have optimism that we're going to see that sometime soon again? You know, every time someone threatens to move to Texas, 
I moved to Florida. I always say they're not going anywhere because then they have to live in Texas and Florida. And they don't want to live there. They want to come here. People want to live here from all over the world. We have people who literally grow up dreaming of the time they're going to come to New York City. That is not going to change. What we have to do as New Yorkers is put up the welcome sign, tell everybody that we're going to govern the hell out of our city. We understand that there is social justice issues in this country, partly because of the president that we have, but that's part of the fabric of our city. And our diversity has always been our strength. We come from everywhere, and we're New Yorkers when we get here. And that is our, that's our formula for success. So I'm very optimistic. I have never bet against this city, even in its darkest hour. And I've always doubled my bet when it comes to New York coming back. And for those who leave too soon, they find their way back uh, in a matter of years. So I'm betting on us. New York City Controller Scott Stringer. We do note that the fiscal crisis back in the late 70s was fixed by a deep partnership between the city and state, labor and business, and some government guarantees from Washington, D.C. And it did take years. It also happened across different mayors, governors, and presidents. And like New York after 9-11, the comeback after that crisis in the 70s was something to see. This has been 880 In-Depth. Our executive producers are Peter Haskell and myself. Always good to hear the archives from CBS News in the show and Walter Cronkite, who was a fixture on the radio station back in the 70s. We'll be back next week with a new topic. If you like what you hear from us, we encourage you to subscribe and to tell a friend. For anyone who wants to suggest a topic, here's a bonus for listening to The Bitter End today. My email is tshelled at wcbs880.com, T-S-C-H-E-L-D at wcbs880.com. We invite your comments. We appreciate your support. Stay safe. Have a good week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.